Hi, my name is Visha Cadell and I'm bringing you Behind the Face of Success, a brand new podcast that delves into the untold stories of people that have reached great heights in their careers and the decisions, whether good or bad, they took to get there. The film and TV world is built on great stories. Without it, it's just pretty images on a screen. And of course, stories are told by great writers. Now, I'm a bit of a fangirl when it comes to great writers. I often ask myself, how do they do it? How do they come up with that? And how do they have the discipline to shut out the world to write? So let's find out, because in this episode, my guest is award-winning writer and producer, Stefan Debal. And let me tell you a little bit more about him so you know exactly why I think he's so brilliant. Stefan Debal is a film and television producer, writer and co-owner of Bromantics. He's had four BAFTA nominations and four Biffa award wins for his first feature, Boiling Point, starring Stephen Graham, A Violet Man, starring Craig Fairbrass, Stephen Adobula and Jason Fleming, which was released theatrically and digitally in the UK in 2022, and then the rest of the world in 2023. This summer, we'll see the release of his current project, Gasta, with BAFTA-nominated director George Aponsa, distributed both theatrically and on Amazon Prime, and he has a slate of other new projects coming up. He's clearly a busy man, so I'm glad I've managed to get hold of him. Hi, Stefan. It's so nice to have you here today, and thank you for making the time to be with us. Thank you. Talk to me a bit more about your upbringing and your childhood, you know, the way you grew up and the area you grew up in. Right back at the very beginning. Back at the beginning. (laughs) So I grew up in Kent, down on the coast. I grew up, uh, just a bit of background about my family. I didn't have anyone in the family that was in the industry that I'm in. My my dad was a plumber. My mum was, still is, a hairdresser. But I very quickly kind of knew that I wanted to move away and become part of the kind of arts film tv music all that kind of side of things i don't really know how i know that probably from the fact that my dad used to sit me down and watch films and make me watch certain films that probably influenced me somewhat that's probably how that happened but i was there until late teens and then hit 20 and moved to london which was a little while ago and like did they just sort of encourage your dreams yeah they've always been incredibly kind and um and loving and have always championed me to do whatever i wanted to do always and when i said to them like i left school and i'd start to work a little bit for my dad's company which was plumbing believe it or not so i could come and fit your boiler or put a bathroom suite in i'm sure i could probably still do that i need that help so yeah <laughs> i remember saying one day that i wanted to move to london to work in kind of film and tv and things and I was singing, and but I, I was kind of singing secretly. I didn't really tell anyone. I remember recorded some songs uh, in a studio, and I and I remember playing them to my mum and dad one day. And I said, "What do you think about these?" And they said, "Yeah, um, well, at the time they're probably dreadful at the time, but they said that they were incredible. Who is it?" And then I said, "It was me." And my dad just looked and went, "What? Where did this come from?" <laughs> yeah, so they've always been fully, 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 fully supportive of me and very proud and they've never questioned it and they've always been very wonderful yeah singing is very different to writing so how did that happen so you didn't pursue the route of singing you decided to pursue well yeah I mean I did for a while yeah uh so when I first moved to London I was a singer and actor 
a slashy, as they call it, singer, actor, model, <laughs> singing and acting predominantly. Um, but I tr- just tried to do whatever I could within the industry to get out there and, and make a living. And then I, I did that for quite a few years. And then I started writing ideas and stories. And the more I'd acted, the more scripts came my way in terms of little bit parts here and there. And I could see how a script was structured and the page structure and the story. And that intrigued me. So I started to write my own stories and that's eventually much later but that's how I got into what I'm doing now but originally it was singing and acting yeah so your name um, I have to ask you about your name because (laughs) your name is I like I love your name by the way very interesting but um, how did you get it Um, that's my real name what do you mean (laughs) (laughs) you know this talk to me about stage names and how you got your name stage names I mean, it is my name, but it's just a shortened version of my name, if that makes sense. So I was born Stefan. The D is from Dominic, which is my middle name. And Bart is Bartlett, which is my surname. So I shortened it to Stefan de Bart when I moved to London to enter the the wonderful world of the arts. Like some actors and people in the entertainment business, they change their name, you know, like Elton John and Joaquin Phoenix and all those kind of people. And that's how I came up with it. I wanted to talk a bit more about your evolution from singer, model, produce. Well, you've got many roles, actually. Managing director of your own company as well, to add to that. So you're not just a you know film writer. There are so many different things that you've been doing, and it's quite an inspiring evolution. And how did you get into, let's start with, like, you know, from singing to writing. How did you get into that? So initially, yes, when I moved to London, it was singer, actor, model, all those kind of job roles. I did a lot of theatre work, mainly fringe stuff in London. Uh, I had bit parts in TV. I did some modelling, pretty good modelling campaigns, some commercials. And then the singing was, I was in a electro pop duo once, which we started to do gigs and support other named pop acts. We got signed and then we got dropped very quickly. It's the way of the world. And then I ended up being a backing vocalist. I got I got spotted by a, a music manager at an event and said, do you have anyone looking after you music wise? It was, it was a little bit different then. Nowadays you can do everything and nobody really worries about it and, and everyone kind of encourages it. But back then I was told, are you an actor? Are you a singer? And you needed different agents for different things. And this, this music agent spotted me, a guy called Simon, and he said, do you do backing vocals? And I just went, no. And he said, would you like to? And I said, yes, anything to anything to pay the bills as, as someone in this industry. It's hard, you know, because you haven't got regular wage coming in. You haven't got a PAYE salary coming in. You're all self-employed. You're, you're trying to make your work way in the world. And then I ended up doing backing vocals for people like Justin Hawkins, who was the leader of The Darkness. He did some solo stuff. I was backing vocalist for Anastasia for quite a while. So we did some tours all around Europe. That was fantastic. And then at the same time, I was in between that, I was doing theatre shows and it was never really a conscious decision that it must be one or the other. I wanted to do everything. Uh, I probably got told a few times that I couldn't, but I just thought, well, I want to. And then the natural progression from that went into more acting from the singing. And then, you know, acting's tough, you know, you can be really good, but if the phone's not ringing, you have to make a decision of whether you stay doing it or not. And the only thing I wanted to do was stay in the industry. And I, and as, you know, as I, I, I stated that I, I started to write down ideas and I've had experienced 
scripts on set and I'd seen scripts and how they were written and the page structure and the story structure. So I thought, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll write and produce. I think that's quite a hard thing as an actor to make that decision to stop because, you know, an actor always wants to perform always. You know, I think I know some people now that they're finding it difficult in the world of acting, you know, the older they get trying to get a bit of work because it's, there's always someone else there, you know, but I was very pleased that I made a conscious decision to stop and, and write and produce and which has been one of the best decisions I ever made. Let's talk a little bit more about craft. So we've talked about craft in the past. In terms of writing, you're a, you write for film, you write for TV. It's a very different type of skill set. So, but there's also new types of writing that's sort of evolving right now, content writing, things for social, short videos and things like that. Is there a difference? Would you say there's a difference in terms of the craft and the quality? Well, I think if you can write, you can write. It's a lovely skill to have, whether you're a journo writing a piece or whether you are more creative writing a script or some sort of content piece, you know, it's all within your head, isn't it? It's all part of your imagination within sorts to, to instill certain elements from yourself into it, whether it's a factual piece or whatever it is. I don't think there's too much of a difference if your use of uh, English and grammar is, is pretty good. And if you know that you, you've got the, the, the temperament to sit down and write, I think, I think you can pretty much do anything. There's a certain structure to a page of a story that you need in terms of film and TV, you know, certain acts that you need to write in, beginning, middle and end. But I think if you can do it, you can do it. It's like an actor, I suppose. You don't have to necessarily be a trained actor to be fantastic. Do you think there are opportunities for somebody that might just start out in sort of content writing, let's say in advertising, but then they want to sort of evolve into like film and TV. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Putting things down on page is is slightly different structure-wise in different formats, but I think anyone who, you know, I produced in commercials for quite a while. I did film and TV and then I went into commercials and now I'm back to film and TV again. So you can put your skills to anything, I think. So I would say that, yes, if, you, if you've got it in you, you can definitely do that. One of the things you talked about was the hard realities of your industry. You know, it's not been quite easy. You've talked about sometimes I've just had to figure out and pay the bills and take on this job and take on that job. And now I feel like your strengths are in, in writing and you've sort of followed that passion a little bit more. But do you feel like the film and TV industry is so glamorized that it's sort of like not uncovering some of this hard work that you have to do behind the scenes to get to where you are? Good question. Good question. Deep question. It's a deep question. It is, this industry, it's, I say this with the, with the respect to, you know, everything's relative. So every industry has its ups and downs. For example, my dad working on a building site for 40 years, that to me is hard work. That is one element of hard work. Working in a hospital, how many hours that these doctors and nurses work, that is hard work. You know, what, what we do is, it's difficult, you know, but we work in industry, it's, it's fun. You know, we're fortunate enough to work in it. I know that, but there is a lot of hard work that goes into it behind the scenes. What you see is only a small percent, what everyone sees is only a small percentage of a film that's released or, or a new show that's on. There is hard graft blood, sweat and tears that goes into each one of those projects. Um, there's only a small percentage of shows that get commissioned. There's only a small percentage of films that actually get financed to get made. Most of them are in development for a long time, which is disheartening if that really never really gets made. 
that was the long answer. The short answer to that is yes, it's, it can be very hard work. Yeah, it sounds it. It really does. And I think that's really important to sort of talk about that because people do sort of walk into different industries. And I'll be honest, I actually wanted to be a marketer because I thought, oh God, that sounds like a glamorous job. I'd love to do that. And then I was just walking around, carrying around boxes or taking around banners on my back or whatever. And I was like, this is so not glamorous. (laughs) There is nothing glamorous about this. And I think it's really important to sort of remember, like, there are all these little things that you have to do. And sometimes it's not so fun. Yeah. And there's no real glamour sometimes on a night shoot at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning when you're on a a road in Camberwell and you're on a night shoot and you're trying to make sure that everyone is safe and well and make sure that everyone's, you know, hitting their marks and delivering their lines and, you know, and that the crew are okay and the public are okay. And there's all those kind of things going on. There's lots of different things going on. That's not so glamorous, but you all chip in together and work together as a team. That point around team, do you celebrate as a team too? Do you celebrate that moment? Because it sounds like you have this kind of moment where you're working so hard and then like the crescendo moment is the film gets produced. But do you come together and sort of say like, God, we did that? Yeah, you do. You know, you can only do so much on your own. You need to work with the right people. Um, And there are some incredibly talented people in this industry, some I've worked with, that are just astonishing and amaze me every day and you have to listen to everyone's voice on things and you have to understand that everyone needs to work together as a team to get the best results and then sometimes it's difficult because you work together on a project and then you finish that project and you might not see that person again you might not work with that person again it's different than going to a, a job where you're constantly seeing the same people you know hopefully you'll work with those people again because you bond and you form a relationship but then also it's nice when new people come in because you know they show you something different Sometimes it's very intense that you're working together on something for, say, for six months through development, through production and then post. And then you might not see them again for another couple of years very quickly because they they go off on something and you go off on something. Obviously, that's so different to my world where I I see the same people again and again. You said something about results and I really want to tap into that a little bit more because... Obviously, to have good results, it's not always smooth sailing. We just talked about that a bit more. But have you ever had a moment where you've had, you know, you've had a fail or something that's happened that didn't go right? And how did you bounce back from that? Yeah, good question. Good question. There's different ways to to look at that. I think you should always be accepting of failure because it's only going to teach you to challenge or change things in the future. I think the biggest thing for me, I felt like I was failing when I stopped acting I felt like, oh, I've put so much hard work into it. I really wanted to succeed. So there was a moment before a few people had said to me, oh, you know, why don't you be an agent or why don't you produce or do this? And and I thought, no, because I'm going to succeed as an actor. Why would I not? (laughs) Uh, I've put so much graft into it. So there was that moment. But, I mean, like I said, I, I couldn't have been happier. Once I'd made that change, it was the best decision I ever made. So there was a moment of failure there for me internally, but I very quickly turned it around. I think you have to turn it around to to see what makes it work in those situations rather than dwelling on that. Yeah, I agree. I feel like that's such a positive spin. It's almost like, okay, I did that. And now, okay, it's not working out. And this is what I'm going to do. That's taking that change. It's really impressive. And it's actually quite a hard thing to do. And then putting your heart and soul into like the next thing is really important. There's a lot of humbleness in being able to say, do you know what? This is the thing that's not working out for me because you actually start from a good place, starting in that journey. And then when you move along and go, right, I'm going to switch is 
you know, you have to be less hard on yourself. Yeah, totally. Once you do it and you make that decision, you make that leap, it can be so nice to be in that moment rather than sit and dwelling on the fact that you may have failed in something, you know, make it, make it work for you, you know, accept that you're going to move into this new area or new, new job or new relationship or new challenge. You'll always learn from your, your previous. I um, have seen you play hard. Yes. <laughs> we actually met at a Thanksgiving dinner, didn't we? We, we had did. Thanksgiving dinner together. We did. We did indeed with some yeah, mutual that friends. Was really fun. So I've seen you have fun and, you know, um, hopefully we'll have more of those times. But when we've spoken, I've also know that you work very, very hard and you've got a bit of a, a method don't you, when it comes to working really hard. So talk to me about focus. How do you do that? Yeah, I go through these stages throughout, you know, all of, once we'd done, when we did Boiling Point 2020 and then we went into lockdown, you know, when I'm working, I don't go out and I don't drink and I don't see my friends as much because I'm really focused, you know, because there's a lot of stuff on my shoulders to make sure that everyone's okay. And I want to make sure that I'm focused enough to do that. And I don't want to do that. Um, so, you know, uh, I'll go through stages of, you know, I did 18 months where I don't go out and have a drink through all the lockdowns and stuff. I've just hit it again now. I've just done like hundred days of, of not having a drink, which I'm, you know, I'm so focused on getting things finished on the latest film and doing all that. Then I tap back in and when I have some time off, I'll, I'll, I'll meet friends and, and go out and do that again. But it comes easy to me. I like to sit and focus and, and know that I've got certain challenges that I need to um, that I need to get through certain deadlines for scripts and certain things that I need to that I need to meet and I need to stay focused for that. I need to have a clear mind to do that. How do you stay on that path? How do you keep that rigor up? Because it's quite a skill to try and keep focus top of mind. Yeah, and I'm very fortunate that I get invited to things, and I feel very privileged and, and fortunate that uh, that I've got these opportunities to go to, and I do, but. You know, when I'm working, I, I have to say mentally, I have to say no to it because then I know even if I go and I don't drink, it's a late night and I've got so much more to do tomorrow. So I'll, I'll go through stages of doing that. But my support network is is incredible. My family is incredible. They get more and more incredible every day. We've bonded probably more in the last five. We lost my dad five years ago. We've really kind of my, you know, my nieces are, are now old enough. You know, they're off for their studying and I'm, I'm very proud of them both. And we've really come together as a family. So they support me and always have done, always. Uh, and my friends are the same. My friends are incredible. I feel like I've got the best friends in the world. You've, you've met some of my friends. Well, we're now friends. I was just going to say, add me to that list yeah, too. You're in, support you're already in it. From Thanksgiving, you're already in it. It's a really interesting thing, actually, because you talked about the last five years. And obviously, since then, we've had that pandemic, the way I'm referring to it. And it's really taken some moments where people are really starting to focus on what they care about the most. And it has changed how we think and behave and how we interact with people. And it sounds like that's sort of come through in your sort of family environment where you're, you know, there's so much more perspective and it's more about this is my support network and I'm staying here. Whereas actually there is a lot of distraction, you know, the parties will come and go, right? Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. I think when I first moved, yeah, up to London and was part of the industry you know I wanted to go to everything you know if there was an opening of an envelope you know you'd be there you don't need to you can pick and choose things and it's okay to say no to things uh, and people are okay you know because there's always someone else that's going to take your place at a party <laughs> I mean they won't be as funny obviously but you know but you know what I'm saying it's actually quite nice sometimes saying no to things as well because you're like oh I just want to stay at home yeah 
sometimes there's nothing better than staying at home. I love to be at home and just listen to music, whether it's on Spotify or whether you put on vinyl on or, or sit and read and or you watch an episode or something. It's There's nothing better than having your own and being okay with your own time. If you had to give three top tips to somebody that wants to get into your field, what would those three things be? Three Stefan's three top tips. We're going to have like a super <laughs> up on screen now when that happens. I suppose the first one is work hard. You have to work hard. You can get stuff handed to you on a plate sometimes, but if your core isn't that you work hard, I think people see through that. People really respect you if you work hard. So that's number one, in no particular order. Number two, I would say you have to put... You have to put yourself, for me, I put my, my, you know, love and compassion into everything that I do. And I think you have to put yourself into it and to have your own voice. Oh, that's a good one. And what's the third? I would say slightly different to work hard. Professionalism. Be professional. Yeah, respect everybody. Listen to everybody. No answer is a wrong answer. You know, if someone asks a question, it's never wrong. It's always going to potentially lead to something that you wouldn't normally see. So I would say they're my three top tips. Yeah, I love that because what you're also saying is be a curious mind. And sometimes we get into this thing of like, I should know everything and give ourselves a hard time <laughs> yeah. about it. But actually, we're not supposed to know everything. Yeah, it's OK not to know everything. I mean, <laughs> I do, obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously. That's why you're here. That's yeah. why I'm like recording you. No, I love it when, you know, someone, I'm okay if we are in meetings or we're doing any, whatever we're in, whatever situation, I go, guys, I, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about or enlighten me on that. It's okay to do that. It's okay to be educated. It's beautiful to be educated by someone, especially if there's someone younger coming along telling me, and I'm like, well, this is great. Yeah, I agree. And also sometimes when they're even senior to you, I always find when someone's asking a curious question and they're really senior, I'm just like, that's a smart person. Yeah. Because yeah. they want to hear from the room. Yeah. You're only going to evolve if you if you take in everybody else's thoughts, feelings, advice. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to say it back yourself, but you have to listen to everybody's voice. That's going to only make you a better person. I think being professional is almost like underrated these days. I think everyone likes to be like, oh, I just wing it and just like figure it out. But I heard somebody saying that they you prep for every meeting, prep for every speech. And I've always remembered that. And I think that's such a good discipline to have. And actually hearing you say that that's such a great sort of like tip for anybody trying to figure out how they want to come into the industry is just be that professional because you can't just wing it in life. It's, you know, I mean, I would love to, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I almost thought about it for a second and thought, can I actually yeah. hold on? I mean, well, I think, I think, Yes, I agree with that. I think you can, if you know what you're doing or you've done it for a while or you're well-versed in it, if someone's, if something is is thrown upon you and you have to think on your feet, you can wing it if you know the certain elements of what it, of what it involves. But ultimately, you're only in that situation if you've done the hard work in the first place. Talking about bringing more people into the industry and giving them some top tips, but I just want to like, think about underrepresented communities because I suppose in your industry there are lots of people that you'd be like god I wish I had this more of this community into our industry to make it better or this community or this me you might say actually do you know what all of them who would those be I mean I think there's two answers to that I think it's 
incredible that we're in a situation now where communities and voices are being heard. And I think it's I think it's shocking that it's 2023, 20, you know, in the last few years, that's only really just happening. I think that voices need to be heard from every single corner, every single corner. When I first moved to London, I had no, you know, that's just a, a small town in Kent that I moved up to. I had no LGBTQ plus friends. I had no people of colour friends. And when I moved to London, every single community, because that's, for me, that's the place where it's so rife, everyone welcomed me. As, as a white guy coming out, everyone welcomed me. And it's, I think your life is only going to be enriched by many different voices. And in terms of working in the industry, it is lovely to see that finally those voices are being heard. I still think they're not being heard fully. I think we're all aware of that. Say, for example, you know, you, you wouldn't have seen it on a mainstream show. You know, the, the, there's a show recently called The Last of Us, which episode three was predominantly, and you can say this now, you, it was a while you couldn't say it, but you can say it, there was, it was a queer story. And it was an incredible queer episode of these two wonderful characters. And it was beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful and stunning. And you wouldn't have seen that on TV a few years ago. And it's incredible to see that happening now. Do you think that's down to, you know, those commissioners taking a chance? Do you think it's more about the writers that need to be brought on? Because it's it's kind of a bit of an ecosystem, isn't it? Like, it's a sin. When I saw that on Channel 4, I was like, what? This is amazing. I mean, that's Russell T. Davis, you know, who is, I know him anyway, and he's a wonderful human being, incredible, gentle, humble human being and his writing is fantastic and peter hall directed that and they're both lgbt and russell wrote um queer as folk back in the 90s and to have that made then was astonishing and it's incredible it still stands the test of time it's an incredible show and it is an incredible show and it's a sin you know to have that again now mainstream channel 4 you know brilliant totally welcome it it's incredible do you ever think about stereotypes when it comes to writing and I'm asking this question because I spoke to a 15 year old student and she said oh I'm on sometimes I'm on TikTok and I'm seeing like so many different archetypes of people you know it's the vanilla girl or there's this person or there's this person I don't even know what the vanilla girl was by the way I mean, until she told me about it and you, um, you, you've lost me at TikTok <laughs> yeah lost you at TikTok uh-oh how do you write people how do you think about let's say when you're thinking about developing a character who that character is how do you think about bringing culture into it or and, and culture maybe that you're not part of but you want to bring it in like are we breaking those stereotypes enough in writing do you think yeah I mean I think probably the answer to that is no I think we could still break that more absolutely I think we can see that on screen I think it's I think it is changing for me when I write I'll always you know if I'm writing a generic story set in today I won't necessarily look that that's a white character or a black character. I'll just write that character. If it's specifically about a certain time that I'm trying to write, I will try and incorporate whatever I can into that. And, you know, there's a there's a Western that I'm writing at the moment, and I'm trying to make that as fun-filled with as many different ethnicities as possible, but still staying within the realms of what it was at that time. But uh, in terms of scripts now... 
I think it could still change. I think anyone can be anyone. I love writing characters. I love it, you know, and I'll always put something in that I've probably experienced myself, whether it's a friend of mine says something, wherever it's a conversation I hear when I'm passing someone and someone says something and I think, oh my God, that would be excellent in a script, wouldn't it? And it's usually something funny or something that I hear someone say that I think I want to put into a comedy script. The version of you on social media is, and if I didn't know you, I'd probably be quite intimidated by you. <laughs> really? <laughs> Why? Why Because it's like, all like these shots. Yeah, it's all these shots. But also, <laughs> when I got to know you, I was just like, oh my God, he's such a oh really lovely cool guy. Oh my God, he's such an idiot. Cool <laughs> <laughs> And it's really interesting, actually, talking about, you know, especially this conversation we've just had about the hard work that you've had to do, how you've actually thought about people, how you thought about focus, how you care about being curious and all of that stuff. But the, there is a lot of like social media distraction out there. But how do you sort of think about yourself and kind of stay true to yourself and banish those kind of like social media noise and distraction? Yeah, I mean, I have an Instagram, which... You know, the reason why I got my, I got, when we did Boiling Point, I didn't have an Instagram and a couple of people saying to me, you must have it because people look at it like a website now and, you know, see you. And I thought, actually, that's a pretty good idea. So predominantly I have mine. I, I only post about work. That's what it is. Just so people can see, you know, like I say, you know, it is like a website. People can see what you're doing and can see what you're up to, see what you're working on. So that's what I do mainly. I, you know, I might put some stuff in a story where it's me and my friends and I'll tag some friends and we're out having a great time. But on the grid, as they call it, it's predominantly work pictures. Hopefully, you know, within that, within what I write, people can hopefully see how passionate I am about, about the work and about everybody's work on a project and what I write, even if it's a small little thing in there. I mean, you know, you're never going to really unless you sit and chat here now or unless we, you know, we sit and chat at a, a meal and we're being silly and we're making jokes. You're never really going to get to know anybody, are you? But I treat it for what it is. I don't live on it. I don't sit there and scroll all the time. Quite often people do start to observe other people's lives and start to think that's kind of who they are. But what you're talking about is I'm more than that. And I'm more about my friends and my family. And that's a different version of me that you're seeing on social media. And I think it's, it is really important to be able to sort of think about social media as not true too. You're not actually at a party every single day. You're sitting at home working really every hard. Every other day. Trying to get that film if you had to summarize your success in three words, what would those three words be? Oh, it's the three again. Three? I know, I'm obsessed with three. I don't know why. I suppose yeah, I'm using one of the other ones, but that's helped me, tenacity. Love for the love that I put into things. It's really important for me to love everything that I'm working on, even if I'm dipping into a project that's not really something that I'm developing from, from the scratch. It's, it, it needs to be something that, I can see has a meaning just being respectful for everyone you know being respectful for the project being respectful for everybody working on it being respectful for everyone's time sometimes we're working on a project and there are so many different people on it that you have to make sure that every single person feels loved and respected that you you give them that time that you know you know when you're on set sometimes you're running around and there's you know 150 people there making sure that everyone's okay there's something that i like to do
I like the fact that you use love, by the way, because a friend of mine talked about this last night and he's a, a writer and he said, if you love what you do, you don't experience burnout as much as you think you do because you spend more time not loving the thing that you want to work on mm. and it stresses you out. It makes you feel quite negative about something. It brings in bad energy. But when you love what you do and you have respect and love for what you do and you look back at it, you're really proud of it. But it does reduce the energy spent reducing burnout. So it's just really interesting that you said that too. Yeah, I'm sure there are some people that that just work on projects and will just go through it and work on it and move to the next project. And if that works for them, that's totally fine. But for me, I have to put, I always wear my heart on my sleeve, always. So if I feel like I've upset anyone, I am totally mortified, totally and utterly mortified. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. Not It's not that I know of. So for me, working on something is, you know, I treat a project as the same as I treat my family or a friend, I give it the same respect. I genuinely, genuinely love, you know, I love writing. I love producing. I feel very fortunate to be doing what I'm doing, to have gone through many different uh, jobs to get to where I needed to be. And you've got so many things coming up, which is really exciting too. So, mm -hmm. but with that, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for spending some time talking about your journey and what you've learned and sharing all this amazing insight because there are so many incredible nuggets in here that I'm just going to take away and like I'm going to write them down and take them forward a little bit too but thanks for spending the time with me today. Yeah bless you thank you I've really enjoyed it and if anyone's watching it that just thinks that it's given them encouragement to probably step into the industry where they think that they need experience into it but they don't have it then hopefully it will tell someone to give it a go you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's the whole point. Give it a go. Give it a go. <laughs> <laughs>